Let's open our Bibles to the second chapter of Luke. We have looked at Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 1 as angels visited Joseph and Mary. Not in that order. Because Mary was told before she conceived and Joseph was troubled in his mind after she had conceived. But the angels brought the message that this son that was to be born would be great. Angels said that. When they say he shall be great, it has meaning. He'll be the son of David. He'll be Emmanuel. His name should be called Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. We are addressing three words in 1 Timothy 3.16, where the Apostle Paul said that without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed unto the world, received up into glory where he sits at God's right hand forevermore. We also saw John chapter 1 and verse 51, where Jesus said, Nathaniel, do you believe that I'm the Son of God because I saw you under the fig tree? Greater things than this you're going to see. Hereafter, verily, verily, I say unto you, all you apostles are going to witness heaven opened and angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Verily, verily, of a truth, you are going to see some staggering things. And they did. And we're looking at some of those now. Joseph certainly saw one in a vision. Mary saw one, Gabriel himself, in Luke chapter 1. But now we come to Luke chapter 2. And we sang a song a few minutes ago, Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. And so we want to read the words that the Gospels bring to us. Verse 7 tells us that Mary brought forth her firstborn son. She named him Jesus. It doesn't tell us here right presently. It tells us that in verse 21 of this chapter. But she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. You, you read a description of the likeness of the glory of God last night in Ezekiel chapter 1. Some of you were hoping that I was going to have a chalk drawing today of the four living creatures. You don't want to see me draw anything. Stick men are crooked. But you wanted to see those creatures from Ezekiel chapter 1. Do you know why I sent that to you? To confuse you. To confuse you with the overwhelming splendor of the glory of God and the seraphim, cherubim, and angels that are in His presence because that's why the chapter is there. Right. It's to give you a little picture that overwhelms your senses of the glory of God and the creatures He has in His presence that are similar to the angels. Well, that glory that Ezekiel saw in that first chapter, shone round about some shepherds that were out in the fields. It's kind of quiet out there in the fields. There weren't airplanes passing overhead. Just imagine how quiet it was. And it was dark because it was at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared, burst the sky open, 
And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. It would have been one overwhelming display. And why was it taking place? Because there were swaddling clothes wrapped around a newborn king in a manger in Bethlehem. It's hard enough for an angel to worship a man. But get an angel to worship a baby. Scene of angels. Scene of angels. Heaven gets excited. Heaven was excited at the birth of Jesus of Nazareth. Verse 10, And the angels said unto them, The shepherds, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. You thank the Lord for that last phrase, because that includes you, you poor Gentile goyim cattle. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, the anointed Messiah of God. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God! Who's hearing the Messiah right now? Glory to God! In the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Praise the Lord. The angels were excited about the birth of Jesus of Nazareth. We don't celebrate Christ's Mass because we're not Roman Catholics. We don't celebrate Christ's Mass because Deuteronomy chapter 12 at the beginning four verses and the last four verses tells us not to. We don't celebrate Christ's Mass because our Savior is no longer in a, mer- in a manger, nor do we need to represent it with little children from Sunday school. But we do celebrate the birth of our Savior by reading the Gospel accounts and realize that He was seen of angels right. as a baby. Look at this scene. Let it bless your heart. Think about the glory of these beings. They are used to worshiping God. Right. Now they're worshiping and praising God's goodwill toward us through a king born in Bethlehem. There had been lots of kings born in this world, but they had never split the sky open to sing praises to one before. This king was entirely different. This king is our king. This king is an eternal king. This king is the Lord of glory. Right. The Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. He was seen of angels. Heaven moved. At this birth. Look at Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. It should be no surprise. There had been an order issued. And these angels knew who Jesus of Nazareth was. Remember, during his life of humility, I'm telling you for the second time, the evil angels would fall at his feet and worship him. Why? Because they were under orders. Why else? Because they knew who he was. Why else? Because they know that he holds their eternal destiny in his hands. And they were wondering if there had been a change of plans and they were going early to the lake of fire. They know. Do you know? Do you know Jesus of Nazareth? Do you know the high king of heaven? Do you know the son of David? Have you agreed to follow him or isn't he not important enough for you? He was important enough for the angelic host. 
That army left its position at the throne of God and came down to the skies over the Judea countryside and burst it wide open singing praises about the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's why. It tells me in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 6 in the second half of the verse, and let all the angels of God worship Him. My brethren, we were created a little lower than the angels. I'm tempted to call that a figure of speech called meiosis which is an understatement of the difference between angels and men. But I don't want to get off on that right now. We're said to be created a little lower than the angels. For angels to worship one of us is very difficult by nature. Their nature is superior to ours. We're little skin bags of water and blood. They're immortal spirits. But God said as He brought His first begotten into the world in a manger, let all the angels of God worship Him. And they keep His commandments, and they came and worshipped. They came and worshipped in those skies. And those shepherds, when the skies went black again, they said, let's go see if this thing is true. And they went and found it, just as the angels had said. Because the angels had seen Jesus. They knew where He was. They knew what He looked like right now. He was their new Master. He was their Lord. He was their King. He was the captain of the host. Not yet glorified, but still, he was going to get the office, and it was sure because it was the determinate counsel of God that he would get that office. Look at Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, scene of angels. Heaven moved at the birth of our Savior. And heaven continued to move as angels would come from heaven to serve Him in various ways, and we're told a few of them. But every other thing you look at in the Bible wasn't without angels. It's just you're not told. How many times a day do you think you encounter them in your life? Often. They aren't sitting at a distance. They're around us, delivering us. How many near accidents do you have a day that you don't know about? You only know about a few. But what about the ones you don't know about? The angels are all around us. They're our servants. They don't just serve us once or twice in a lifetime. They serve us all the time. They served Him all the time. They were always there, ready, watching, held back by divine command, but released to rush to His assistance when needed. And here's one of those needs. Matthew chapter 4 verse 1 tells us, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Sometimes the Holy Spirit leads us into temptation for the glory of God and the profit of our souls. But it is why we pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Because if the Lord were to lead you into this situation, fasting 40 days and 40 nights and being sorely tempted by the devil, you'd cave in. The Lord Jesus Christ endured it. But it was still a great struggle, and he was still a man. And he endured 40 days of hunger. And it tells me that the devil finally left him in verse 11. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Do you think they wanted to help him in day one? Come on, Zach. What would the four beasts say? Amen. Did he want to help them in day 10, 20, 30, 40? But Jesus had to face the devil himself. And our Lord Jesus Christ defeated the temptations of the devil. But as soon as it was over, 
as soon as he had done what the Holy Spirit led him to do, the angels are there to minister unto him. Angels came and ministered unto him. How is that for involvement? When was the last time you waited on the Lord Jesus Christ? When was the last time you gave yourself in praise and thanksgiving and blessing and encouragement and thankfulness for all He's done for you? When was the last time you ministered to the Lord Jesus Christ? You say, well, if He was in my house, I'd get busy in the kitchen just like Martha. He doesn't want a Martha in the kitchen. He wants a Mary at His feet who loves the things that He tells her. Praise Him for those things. Here's the angels. Scene of angels. What would they be doing down comforting some man? Let all the angels of God worship Him. This is a mystery of the gospel. You can't read about this in any history book. I'm telling you the most marvelous things about history. The stuff they teach you about history, I couldn't care less about. It doesn't mean a thing. It didn't mean a thing then. It doesn't mean a thing now. These things meant something then. They mean things now. And they mean everything for the future. This is all about the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. While we're here in Matthew chapter 4, the devil said to him in verse 6, after he had taken him to a pinnacle of the temple in verse 5, in verse 6, the devil said to him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Did Jesus say, you have misread the Scripture from the wrong version? Did Jesus say, you have misinterpreted the verse? Did the devil know that there were angels assigned to the protection of Jesus of Nazareth? Yes. Did he know that passage applied primarily to the Son of God? Yes. And us through him, yes. Did Jesus say you've misapplied it? No, he just said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. I don't have to cast myself off to prove anything to you or to prove anything to anyone else or to prove anything to God. But notice, I want you to recognize that in the words, while we read our Bibles, heaven, the host of heaven, was on the side of the Lord Jesus Christ, and even the devil knew it. And he was trying to tempt him to take advantage of that heavenly host that was standing ready to help him by tempting the Lord God and casting himself off the temple. We see so many events in the life of our Lord. Sometimes we're told the angels were there. Sometimes we're not told. When we're not told, that doesn't mean they're there because they were always his ministering servants. Right. Let's go read in Matthew chapter 8 about the evil angels, the devil's angels. Verses that I've implied to you and, and paraphrased to you. I want to, I want you to see him directly. Matthew chapter 8, verse 28. And when he was come to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, into the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils, coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee? Jesus, thou Son of God, art thou come hither to torment us before the time? And there was a good way off from them and heard of many swine feeding, and the devils besought permission to be able to go into those swine. But notice, 
What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? What's happened that you're here early? Are we in trouble early? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? Notice that heaven's angels are in and are under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, even in his humiliation while on earth. Let all the angels of God worship him. Almighty God had said in Hebrews chapter 1. Any sinners under the sound of my voice? How dost thou sin with impunity against God when angels recognize his authority and coming judgment? Let us tremble and fear before him with whom we have to do. Look at Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the night in which he was betrayed, is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Chia, I'm glad you're here because we're going to sing 10, he could have called 10,000 angels in just a few minutes. Here's where that song is taken from in the Bible. Our Lord Jesus Christ is in the Garden of Gethsemane praying and asking God if it be possible that there could be some other way for him to save us without going to the cross. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, I will do your will. And uh, an event happened after that that we're about to read of. Luke 22, verse 39. And he came out and went, as he was wont, to the Mount of Olives. And his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. Good advice for all of us. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. The angels were involved in our redemption by strengthening the Lord Jesus Christ in his hour of agony before the cross. Verse 44 tells us, And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. This is our Lord before he went to the cross. And it describes his agony and his fervent praying. But it also tells us he was seen of angels. Because an angel came and strengthened him in the Garden of Gethsemane. Heaven was involved at his birth. Heaven is involved at his death. The angels are his servants, as there are servants. They're gifts from God to him. He is over them now. All principalities, powers, and angels being subject unto him. And they came and comforted him. Flip back to Matthew chapter 26 where we have the same events, but Matthew's recording of them. Matthew chapter 26, verse 47. He is through praying now. Matthew 26, 47. And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came 
and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priests and smote off his ear. Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father? And he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? He was always submitting to the will of God, which is in the word of God, to fulfill scripture. He needed to go to the cross. It was Simon Peter that drew his sword, probably aimed to decapitate the servant of the high priest, but just cut off his ear. But now Jesus had 12 legions of soldiers waiting to help him that wouldn't have just cut off ears. They would have ripped that multitude to shreds in one second of time from the inside out. And they reminded Peter, Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father and he shall presently give me? What does presently mean? It means there wouldn't be a future tense involved with them being there. They would presently, right now, be there to defend him. And Brother Zach and I have enjoyed this theme today, and I've tried to enjoy it with you before, because they had to be kept back by order. They would have been there to rescue the darling of God, the Son of God, His beloved Son. They were trembling with eagerness. There was no foe there in that Garden of Gethsemane that would have given them even exercise. They wouldn't have broken a sweat to have delivered the Lord Jesus Christ. But they were held back by divine decree. My son is doing something for me, and he's doing it for you. Because this is the way it must be for us to be redeemed. And so he didn't call those angels. I can, I visualize them reading about the angels and the creatures in Ezekiel 1, trembling with eager zeal to come to his rescue because they loved him. They worshiped him. They praised him. They knew he was God's only begotten son and they would have rescued him, but held back for our redemption, held back for our salvation, held back for the death of the Lord Jesus Christ that we celebrate here in just a few minutes. Don't you know, Peter? that I could ask my father right now and he would send 12 legions of angels immediately. A legion, the best knowledge we have, was about 6,000 soldiers. So when it says 12 legions of angels, we understand that is 72,000 soldiers, one of which could have taken care of the entire Roman Empire in one night. Just like one had taken care of the Egyptian firstborn in one night. Scene of angels. Our Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross as God had charged Him to do. He laid down His life for us. 
he saw his seed. And the pleasure of the Lord prospered in his hand. And he rose from the dead three days and three nights later. But when he rose from the dead, look at what we get to read about that event. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 28, just a couple pages away. Matthew chapter 28. The rulers of the Jews got Pilate to put a few guards around the tomb lest anyone should come and steal the body away. Let me tell you that there were guards around the tomb that the Roman soldiers had never quite met before. Verse 1 of Matthew 28. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here. For he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. Now, does this angel sound a little excited to you about the gospel? What is the gospel? The good news that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, was buried, and rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. This angel says, as he said. He told you too. This angel knew about Jesus' words of saying, As Jonah was in the belly of the earth three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. Jonah was in the belly of the whale. Forgive me there. Look at the excitement. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. Come on in here. You laid his body here. You saw how he was laid by Joseph of Arimathea and by Nicodemus. You 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 put splices on him three days ago. Come and see where he lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. Right. Now, how's that for some authority? Do you like that? But do you know what he is? He's a servant of those women. Do you understand that? That angel is a servant of those women. But he had authority from God and he knew exactly where Jesus was, and he never lies. That's why he's called a holy angel. He never lies. I have told you. Now you better hurry up and get on into town, or you're going to miss him because he's going to appear there. Scene of angels. Praise the Lord. Are they working on another sequel to Star Wars? The little fairies? On their make-believe spaceship? Sorry, Trekkies. Let's just all make sure that we see the Lord of glory. And an angel of the Lord coming down and causing an earthquake (laughs) and rolling a stone away. I wonder how long that took him. And then sitting on it. And he hadn't broken a sweat yet. And his appearance was so frightening and the earthquake was so bad, the Roman guards, trained to be guards, were like dead men. And he had to tell the women not to be afraid because it was frightening. Praise the Lord. He was seen of angels. 
Heaven moved when my Savior rose from the dead and shook the earth with an earthquake and then declared the gospel. He told you he was going to rise from the dead. He's risen from the dead. Come and look. You know where he was laid. He is gone. Now get moving so that he can appear to all of you. Lo, I have told you. Do you know what an honor that was? Do you know for an angel to raise his hand and say, I will go and be a lying spirit in the mouth of his prophets in 1 Kings 22, and for God to say, good idea, go and prosper, that that was a great honor? How about the one that got to come and declare to the women, the Jews haven't taken his body away, the Romans haven't taken his body away, wolves haven't come during the night and taken his body away, he is risen just like he told you, now get going and tell them. Do you know what an honor that would have been? Can you... Okay, the Bible's too real to me, and I'm sorry. But I love this. I love this gospel preacher that was an angel. (laughs) I declare unto you good tidings. Wonderful. There's accounts of this in all four gospels. Turn to Acts chapter 1. Our Lord Jesus Christ showed himself alive to these apostles by many infallible proofs. For how long? For 40 days. By many infallible proofs. He ate among them. He let them touch Him and make sure that, you know, it was Jesus of Nazareth who had been crucified. Then He told them to meet Him in a certain place. And they did. And they assembled together with Him in verse 4 of Acts 1, being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. He's telling his apostles, just stay right here. There was seven days to run until the day of Pentecost. Fifty, Pentecost. Three from Passover in the ground. Forty infallible proofs. One week later, the Holy Ghost was poured out upon those apostles, and it changed the world. And it empowered the kingdom of Jesus Christ to go and preach the gospel. 3,000 were converted that very first day as they heard a different Peter stand up and preach. And he wasn't reaching for his little toy. He was reaching back into the prophet Joel and declaring the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. That he is Lord and Christ. And God is going to make his enemies his footstool. And they said, what shall we do, brethren? He said, get baptized. Show your submission and obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. All that happened in chapter 2. He's with them, and he tells them that this is going to happen. Verse 9, And when he had spoken these things, the things I just told you, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. The Lord Jesus Christ just rose right through gravity, It may mean something to Isaac Newton. It doesn't mean anything to the Lord Jesus Christ. Gravity? Don't trouble me. They've just had the NFL Combine. The NFL Combine is held in Indianapolis, Indiana. It's where all the best college football players go and jump and run and lift weights in a prescribed series of events that have been practiced for many, many, many years. 
And the best among them has a vertical jump of around 45 inches. Wow. He might be able to make it over a pew. 45 inches. Jesus Christ ascended and rose through the interstellar spaces 45 trillion light years to arrive in heaven and went up through a cloud and he wasn't breaking a sweat and he didn't need Nike tennis shoes to do it. And I mock the world because you want a hero? He does more than 45 inches. He does this. And do you know what this involved? It comes next. Verse 10, And while they, that is the apostles, looked steadfastly toward heaven because their Lord had just disappeared from their sight into a cloud, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. I wonder what they were. Which also said, they didn't just stand there, they also had something to say, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner, as ye have seen him go into heaven. In the same way he left, bodily, visibly, into the clouds, he is going to come back bodily and visibly, but he is going to be glorified when he comes back. And he is coming with his mighty angels in flaming fire to take vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does it mean to obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ? Get baptized. That's to obey the gospel because the good news is Jesus was buried and rose again for our sins according to the Scriptures and we show a picture of that when we do that and we show a picture that we're looking forward to Him coming back and rescuing us from the grave. There were angels that came and witnessed him going up into heaven and explained what was going on to the apostles. Scene of angels. Why aren't these things talked about in history? What do they want to tell us about? Something called the, the Columbia, the Challenger, Apollo 13. You know, the one that went and circled Utah a couple times and they told us that it went around the moon. Um, you know, they want to tell us about this junk. You know, they have mechanical failures every time they try to do it. There was no mechanical failures here. This chariot worked quite well. He was taken up. Right. When do you think a chariot has ever broken down of the angels of heaven? Never. I mean, what if it broke down outside of Pluto and before it got to heaven? What people could be lost in space. Yep, they come up with that too. Rejoice in the truth of the God that we worship, and the gospel that He's given to us. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. These things are not mysteries to us. These things are mysteries to everyone else. These are things He's plainly revealed to us, and we greatly rejoice in them. And I hope according to Psalm 68, we exceedingly rejoice. No matter how simple the message might be. But now, where, where was the other end of that trip? When Jesus sent it up into the cloud, where did he go? Where do we see him appear? Do you know where to turn in the Bible? Is it the Old or the New Testament? Is it Acts or Revelation? It's Revelation 5. 
John's in heaven. He is starting the scene of things that transpired from the Lord Jesus Christ's death to His second coming. And he's witnessing those things in some sort of an order. And in chapters 4 and 5, he sees the throne room of heaven. The four creatures are there from Ezekiel chapter 1. They're worshiping God. And they're going to have something to say in Revelation chapter 5. And while some preachers say, and the people of God said, Amen, "Amen," because they're begging for an amen. Or some preachers will say with a question mark, Amen. Hoping that you'll give them an amen. I think I should just say, and what would the four be say if they were here? And you know what they would say. You know, it took Handel five minutes to get it out. Have you ever listened to the Amen on the end of the Messiah? Five minutes long. Amen, brother. It's worth it, isn't it? It should be that long. <coughs> Revelation chapter 5, John is there. He sees God sitting on his throne. He has a book in his hands written on the backside, inside, outside, sealed with seven seals. And there's a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice. Now this, this angel knows. Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? The question is for John. And there was no man in heaven nor in earth. On verse 3, Revelation 5, neither under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. There was no man and there was no angel. There was no being found in heaven at this moment that could open the book. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts, Ezekiel chapter 1, and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb. This is what I have waited to get to. Scene of angels. The four beasts of Ezekiel 1 are on the deck. Where are you? They're on the deck. Having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song. Brethren, you know the chapter, but it's worth going over again. Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. This is the four and twenty elders that are ascribing salvation to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's one choir, brethren, but one choir isn't good enough for heaven. The next choir takes up in the eleventh verse. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts, and the elders. And the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Do you understand this scene? 
a higher order of beings called the angels is saying that a man, the one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, our Savior, was worthy to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing because he had been slain to fulfill the will of God for our salvation. Two choirs isn't good enough for heaven. The third one breaks forth. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four beasts wanted to have the last word. And it says in the four beasts, said, Amen. Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. This is where we're given the number of a hundred million plus millions. Thousands of, what's a thousand thousand? A million. A hundred million and millions that joined in after the four and twenty elders representing the church of God under both testaments, the twelve tribes, the twelve apostles, the four and twenty elders, representing the redeemed family of God, the angels burst that this man is worthy because he was slain to fulfill the will of God. He is the Son of God. He's worthy to get it all. And do you know what the Bible tells us now? They all report to him. Angels being made subject to him. First Peter 3.22, Ephesians chapter 1. All principalities and powers, might, thrones, and dominions of the spirit world now report to the Lord Jesus Christ. He was given quite an inheritance. Didn't you read that last night in Hebrews chapter 1? For unto which of the angels did he give an inheritance like he gave Jesus? None of them. But do you remember something about your status? Uh, what was that complex word, that double word that, uh, oh, was it joint heir? Was it joint heir? Was it joint heir? So that they're now our servants. And we've been given the inheritance of heaven. And I do not speak disrespectfully to those angels that can hear my voice. But we bless and praise him that sitteth upon the throne forever and ever for his grace to make us the sons of God, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And we thank you, angels, for all that you have done for us, but we thank God that created you and made you our servants. And you just strengthen us and help us to be the best Christians that we can be here on earth. And we will magnify the Lord Jesus Christ the way that you and your colleagues do in heaven. Help us to love him and serve him better and better. Lord, if they could comfort and minister to Jesus of Nazareth, and if they could strengthen Jesus of Nazareth, what are they able to do for us? They're our servants. Hebrews 1.14 There's more. For another time and another day, Revelation 12 tells me that there was a war in heaven, that Michael and his angels fought, and the devil and his angels fought, but there was a problem. Heaven was too small for the devil 
and the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ had risen up into heaven, and so He assigned Michael and His angels to throw the devil and His angels out of that place. And they were thrown down to the earth. And it says, Blessed are the heavens, because the devil can no longer be there, but woe unto the earth, for the devil's now there on the earth for a little season. And it describes the church being protected by the Lord, giving it two great wings of an eagle so that it could fly into the wilderness. And we understand part of that was the mountainous region of Wales, west of London, where Baptists have existed for 1,500 years from the popes of Rome. And they all report to him now. And brethren, when the Bible tells us, and I do not make angels any higher than the Bible makes them, I just know that the general assembly that we've come to is described in Hebrews 12 as including that innumerable company of angels. Paul was trying to convince the Jews, don't desire to go back and be part of Moses' religion and the Zion that was on earth. We are coming to Mount Zion that it's above, the heavenly Jerusalem. The spirits of just men made perfect in this innumerable company of angels. It's all part of this great kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ in which we will worship Him forever. And they are our servants by divine grace. They are greater in power and might than us in this present physical body. But we shall be given glorified spiritual bodies. I wonder what properties they will have. Because the angels will be our servants. Twenty of you are coming to my house for supper tonight. I want to tell you this. And I want to say it now so that you can have a few hours to think about it before you hear it again. Some young believers were brought to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the apostles tried to get rid of them. And the Lord Jesus Christ said, Don't you dare hinder one of these little ones that believe on me. I'm not talking about child evangelism. I'm talking about child converts. I'm talking about young believers. Don't you dare hinder these young believers that believe on me. For their angels do always behold my Father's face in heaven. Should we stop right now and go around and hug everyone in here under the age of 15? Do you hear me? The Apostle Paul, when he wanted to get Timothy's attention in 1 Timothy chapter 5, said, I charge thee before God and the elect angels because they're watching ministers. The Apostle Paul said, we are a spectacle to men and to angels. They watch us getting abused and persecuted by men. We're a spectacle to them. But they are held back by the command of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when he unleashes one of them, what happened to Herod, who had cut the head off of James and sent him to his eternal reward early? What happened to Herod, Agrippa I? He fell down dead and was eaten of worms because the angel of the Lord smote him. They are involved in the ministry. 
by the examples that I'm giving you from Scripture, and they're coming again. His mighty angels direct vengeance on all them that know not God and that obey not the gospel. And they worship the Lamb in heaven now who has redeemed an innumerable host out of all the nations of the Gentiles. Brethren, as I close this preaching today, I have to ask you, if the angels worshipped and served Jesus Christ, even at His birth, what should you be doing about Him? How important should He be to you? How often should you praise Him? How often should you thank Him? How often should you speak of Him to others? They wanted to come and declare good tidings to those shepherds. Do you want to declare good tidings to others? The glory of Jesus of Nazareth is enhanced by the attendance given to Him by these heavenly hosts. If He was worthy of their attention, how much more does He deserve from us? We were redeemed by Him. Men may despise the Son of God and think Him nothing, but mighty angels adore Him and serve Him carefully. His birth, temptations, death, resurrection, and ascension demanded heaven's attention. What about our attention? If the angels desire to look into these things, the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, 1 Peter 1, 10 and 11. Verse 12 tells us the angels desire to look into these things. How much desire should we have toward the gospel? How much is there in you that says to yourself, before my head hits the pillow tonight. I want to read these gospel accounts again. I want to think about the angels being involved in the Lord Jesus Christ's life. I want to think about Joseph. I want to think about Mary. I want to think about his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven and his promise that he's coming again. Those things should be the food for our souls and the highest objects of our attention and affection. If God's intent is to educate angels by His love He shows toward the church, how much should His love toward the church affect us? If baptism were for an option for angels, I can tell you what they do today. All of them. A hundred million. There'd need to be some strong baptizers. If baptism was an option for angels, they'd be baptized today. But He did not die and get buried and rise again for their sins. He died, was buried, and rose again for our sins. And it's with a good conscience because of that knowledge that we get baptized. What's holding you up? They would do it immediately. How appropriate for us to now sing. He could have called 10,000 angels. May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word.